1: I am Raymond Summerlin, your host for this edition of the Road to World Football Podcast, and I will be joined today, as I am every single Thursday, by Rich Rebar to discuss the Thursday night game, some DFS options, and most importantly, his weekly worksheet column. And then later on, Nick Minzio will be here, who has all the most important starts and sits for week nine of the fantasy football season. Week nine of the fantasy football season is here already. Before we get to that, I would like to remind you to rate and review the podcast wherever you find it. It helps other people find the show. It helps us in the rankings. And we very, very much appreciate those of you who have already done that. So thank you very much. With all of that out of the way, let's do this thing. What's going on, Rich?
2: Man, you say week nine. And, you know, as people will be listening to this, it'll be November. So like we're not only going to be week nine, like we're closing out like holiday season. So like, ooh, yep. the end is real. Is the darkness is really about to spread? Yeah, it's
1: it's really <laughs> been a fast year. Like every year, I feel like we say that. So probably this is the way it is every year. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, this year particularly has just flown by. This season has just flown by. And it's been a fun one because guess what? Pe- teams are scoring points again.
2: Yeah, teams are scoring points and you know, knock on it. Like we really have like we haven't been that bad on the injury front. Like we've had some guys at hamstrings and stuff like that. But uh so far, like we haven't had like that big like crippling like running back injury that's like opened the floodgates yet.
1: Yeah, we talked about that actually on the on the Monday pod and or the Tuesday pod, excuse me. Uh, that we record on Monday and Josh lambasted me for even bringing up the name of Todd Gurley. <laughs> he, he really, he said, that's don't put that evil out there. And I said, all right, I, I won't, but you're that's right. True. That's true. It's fair, but we haven't seen those injuries. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a fun fantasy season for, for most of us, I suppose. Uh, there are other of us who remain nameless. Uh, actually not. It's me who are 0 and 8 in a league. So keeping that alive, baby. Let's do this. Thing Might as well
2: finish the journey.
1: I'm I'm kind of thinking about it. I'm thinking about just tanking it out and see it, and see it if I can lose them all. But but anyway, anyway, for those of you who are doing better than I am in that league, uh, we're going to talk about some interesting stuff. We have to get started with the Thursday night game, like we do every week. The Raiders at the 49ers this week. It's a 45 and a half point total. The 49ers are two and a half point home favorites. I actually think that this game could be more exciting maybe than you would think that total 45 and a half if cj bethard plays and that at the time of recording we record this on wednesday afternoon that is still an open question it looks like he's going to be a game time decision but if he plays i kind of like the over in this game both of these defenses are bad. I mean, they've been bad recently. They, they don't really have much coming back. It's not like you look at these two teams and say, yeah, they're going to be better later in the season. In fact, the 49ers are dealing with some, some pretty serious injuries on their defense to Ruben Foster and Tart, whose name, first name I can never say. Uh, the, (laughs) the Oakland passing game has been pretty good. They haven't been scoring touchdowns, but that's been kind of fluky as we can talk about when we talk about Derek Carr. And we saw that change last week. The 49ers scored 27-30 and against the Chargers and Packers with Beathard. So when they can protect the quarterback, which shouldn't be a problem this week, they're able to score points. I look at all that, and I think this is a game that has a pretty good shot to go over. What do you think about that?
2: Yeah, I was all about the over when it first dropped. You know, now it's like I'm just waiting and seeing if we're getting Nick Mullins or not. Uh, But yeah, Yeah, that was the first thing.
1: That, that would that would change things. I want to be very clear. This is all <laughs> contingent on not Nick Mullen starting.
2: Yeah, when I saw it, though, that was the, my first inkling, too. I was like, ooh, this looks like a, a supreme overspot. Because the defensive ineptitude of these teams is, is very high. And when you talk about the injuries of the 49ers, uh, th- th- that just compounds matters. I mean, the 49ers don't get any pressure on the quarterback whatsoever. And Derek Carr, when you look at his splits, you know, when he's kept clean versus having pressure, uh, it's the third largest gap in the league behind Cam Newton and Josh Allen. Uh, so, I mean, if you're not going to put pressure on Derek Carr, he's going to be fine. Uh, and the 49ers don't get any pressure. So, this definitely looks like an over spot for sure. Uh, we just need Bether to do his part. You know, we need that, that, that activity from, from CJ to get to get it in the game. Uh, yeah, it looks pretty interesting. And we, I mean, I'm into
1: the, the Oakland money line a little bit here, too. I mean you got any trends to talk me off of that? None particularly that I can off the top of my head there. But I do think that it's I do think it's interesting you mentioned that kind of split for car From an over perspective, but from a fantasy perspective, that means you also have to be kind of interested in Derek Carr this week, right?
2: Oh yeah, I mean he's if you look at like Carr, so he's had two really good fantasy games and the rest of in junk. Both have kind of come in like these just big back and forth types of of games, and that's what we hope we get with with Beathard playing. You know, obviously if Mullins plays, maybe it's just like a more slower spot. But I mean, the Forty Nine ers are twenty seventh in passing points allowed per game. They have allowed multiple passing touchdowns in seven games this year. It's the most in the in the league. So yeah, I mean he's he's it definitely. Uh, on the top of the streaming board this week.
1: Yeah, I think he's up there, and I, I think for the reasons you know you mentioned. I also have to say with about Derek Carr. I mentioned it earlier. He has he has attempted now 26 passes inside the 10 yard line, and he has just five touchdowns on those 26 attempts. That's kind of fluky. That's going to regress at some point, and I, I think it will happen. And the other side of this, Beathard is in the same situation, where a team the team that he's facing does not get any pressure. And they, they have been a little bit better at corner, especially last week. King came out of the bye playing pretty well there. But I think it's a good matchup for him. I look at the tight ends in this this game, and I think that both of them, both Kittle and Jared Cook are in smash spots. You look at the 49ers, and when they face real tight ends this year, they've given up pretty good games. Kyle Rudolph had a touchdown. They gave up eight for 114 to Kelsey. They gave up five for 104 to Jimmy Graham. Like I mentioned earlier, Foster and Tart are out. Jared Cook is basically the number one wide receiver now in Oakland. Yeah, I'm I'm in a lot on these offenses.
2: Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of interesting pieces here. We talk about a 16-bye week, too. Uh, you know, this might be a game people have to fish, you know, in the barrel for players. You know, obviously, you know, Doug Martin will be a guy that people may have to look to this week. I mean, he had uh, 15 touches, five and a half yards for carry Ray. Uh, you know, the 49ers actually have been decent, though, against the Ron. I mean, they've allowed just yeah. one back. To have 70 uh, yards rushing on them on the season, they faced a lot of pretty decent backs too so far in the year in terms of individuals. No one's really gashed them on the ground, so I mean that'll probably put Jalen Rashard in play. You know as like a low level flex. Uh, You know obviously Rashard's a little better when the game script gets worse, Uh, but you know and like I said, it's a it's a shallow week this week. Like there are holes everywhere. I mean people are just. People are just trying to fill rosters this week. I don't know really what to make of what we had with the first game without Amari Cooper. I mean, Brandon LaFell, Jordy Nelson, and Seth Roberts all just had four targets each. Uh, LaFell led the team with Nelson and routes run. It's kind of one of those things that, Maybe it's just the sum of parts, and like it's just not worth chasing anyone there. You just play Carr and you play Jared Cook, uh, and you don't even try to really try to nail any of these Raider receivers, just because the the ceiling's so low for all these guys. Even when they get touchdowns, uh, you know, just just kind of one of those situations. You just I I'm not really excited about any of the guys.
1: Yeah, I kind of view it as Cook is their number one receiver, and Jalen Richard is their number two receiver. And <laughs> I will just I'll leave it at that. Jalen Richard's on pace for 89 catches, by the way. 89 catches in a, in a year of running back receptions. That's still, that's still Mm -hmm. pretty impressive. Last guy we haven't hit on is Matt Breida, who reportedly had no setbacks last week and is getting healthier, but also in a great spot last week, didn't do much of anything. So that's a concern. You cannot feel great about him actually finishing a game at this point. You know, he is just one carry away from just another setback. So that's a concern, but, I mean, the matchup is gold, and they are, for now at least, we'll see what happens with Bethard. they are home favorites, so... It's, it's kind of one of those back-and-forth situations with him, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, we'd like to see him just get, get healthy and show some explosion again. I mean, if you look after the first three games, now that he's been kind of coming in and out the past five weeks, he's rushed 52 times for 213 yards, just a little over four yards per carry. Uh, he just has the one rushing touchdown over the past five weeks, kind of just, like you said, has just kind of battled through a bunch of injuries. It, it would be nice to see him get healthy and, you know, show that he's right. Uh, but like I said, it's a thin week. You know, he's definitely in the lower RB two bucket. You know that that where you can get him in because the Oakland defense they're surrendering 169 total yards per game to opposing backfields, which is 28th in the league. We saw Marlon Mack just destroy them uh, last Sunday. So I mean, it's definitely a spot where if you have Matt Burrito, you want to play him. Uh, you just want to see some more ex- some more explosive plays that he was showing at the beginning of the season as he's been playing through these injuries.
1: Yeah, I, I, that's kind of where I am. I it's like it's one of those. This could blow up in my face, but it could also blow up. So it's one Mm -hmm. of those, like, I I think you have to play them, like you said, especially in a thin week. All right, moving on, like we do every week, we're going to highlight a few DFS plays that we found using the new DFS toolkit over at rotorworld.com. If you have not gotten it yet, you should. It gives projections for DraftKings, FanDuel, and Yahoo, including point per dollar values. And you can customize those projections based on what you want the system to weight the most. You can go in there and play with the sliders based on kind of your preferences. I've used the lineup optimizer all season. I I really do like that tool. And two of the players that will end up in a lot of optimized lineups this week are Nick Chubb, who is $4,500 over at DraftKings, and Kenny Galladay, who is $6,200 over at FanDuel. And I think both of these guys are just really interesting based on both kind of the matchups and the uncertainty we now have after these shakeups early, early this week. I think for Chubb, there are two questions. Number one, is Duke Johnson more involved under the new coaching staff? This game would seem to set up pretty well for Johnson, considering they are big home underdogs and the Chiefs have given up the most receiving yards in the league to running backs. But we also have not seen the Browns actually use Johnson yet. So if that changes under the new coaching staff, then then that could be a problem for Chubb. But the second and probably most important question here is can the Browns keep this game close? Because if they can... Nick Chubb can absolutely eat. We saw last week what running games can do against Kansas City's defense if the offenses are able to keep it close, if the defenses are able to keep it close. Cleveland's defense is not that bad. I mean, they have a few injuries, but they're not bad. I, I look at this and I think this is, even with the fact that Chubb is not going to be very involved in the past game, we don't think. I think that this this is worth a shot in tournaments. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, if
2: Tyreek Hill doesn't play, too, that opens up another avenue where they can, you know, slow down the Chiefs a little bit. But, I mean, Chubb has 18 and 20 touches now in the two games since the Carlos Hyde trade, and the Browns have trailed thoroughly throughout all the, both those games. So, I mean, he had got 18, point, 20 yeah. touches in games they've trailed. So, I mean, we're not really ultra concerned about the game script if it was, you know – just staying as as par for the course, but you know, the shakeup with the coaching staff, what will we see differently happening? I mean, they've, they've talked about getting Duke Johnson involved more in the offense the whole season. Now, what will it finally happen that Freddie Kitchens has taken over? Uh, you know, he's only, what he has more, by six, the way. Yeah. He hasn't had more than six touches, though, in any game. So it's like, do we really just. I trust it. It's hard, uh, but like you said the Chiefs are a run game target, anyways. So I mean, the Browns are going to have handoffs in this game, <laughs> like yeah. regardless. Uh, so I mean, even if he's going to be around the fifteen touch mark, you're getting handoffs against the team that's just been gashed by everyone. Uh, Philip Lindsay rocked them last week. Uh, Devontae Booker came in and rocked them, you know, for like eighty yards uh, on the ground too. Uh, I think it's a good spot for Chubb. If the Browns do score, it probably will be, uh, you know, a rushing touchdown. You know, we keep me and you at least are on this train. The Chiefs passing defense is not as bad as everyone kind of yep. thinks it is on the surface. Uh, so, yeah, but I mean, I, I'm into Chubb, especially at a slow price. I mean, the Chiefs, like I said, allowing 110 rushing yards per game to running backs. That's 26. They're 31st in yards per carry, allowed to running backs at 5.3 yards. And it's not just garbage time. They can't stop the run at any time. So it's just need, you need touches. That's it.
1: I think you go to the other side, uh, the other name there, which was Kenny Galladay, who, again, is $6,200 at FanDuel. He's in a really interesting case because – I do not think this is a good matchup and it looks like Xavier Rhodes is going to be back this week. He practiced on Wednesday. Perhaps he shadows Marvin Jones, but I mean, he's done that in the past, but this is a bit of a different situation now that Golden Tate is gone. But Golden Tate being gone is kind of the reason you're interested here in Gallaudet. I mean, Golden Tate commanded 26.6% of the targets before the trade. They reportedly really like Brandon Powell, but I'm (laughs) going to go out on a limb and say that Brandon Powell's not getting 26.6% of the targets moving forward. I I doubt TJ Jones is doing that either. So there are a lot of targets to spread out here between Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay, two guys who are already getting quite a few targets. So this is a, this is a really interesting spot. And if it wasn't such a bad matchup, I would think that both Jones and Galladay would be, we really highly own it. It wouldn't be interesting, but the fact that it is that Minnesota matchup, which they've struggled this year, but I still think it carries that kind of, that kind of name value. This this could be a really interesting spot for Galladay.
2: Yeah, I don't think he's really a cash game guy, but I think the value is, is here for tournaments because you have the one, the unknown target spike that is incoming because it's going to happen, like you said. I mean, Tate led the team in, in targets in six of seven games. He averaged 9.9 9 targets per game. They have Brandon Powell, TJ Jones, no tight ends, and Theo Riddick's <laughs> on the shelf. Like, there's only three dudes that are going to really get the ball, and it's the two receivers, Galladay and Jones, and on Johnson in the pass game. Like, there might be some ancillary targets that get that get spread out, but I mean, the bulk of these targets are going to go to the good players, and they're Galladay. You know, Galladay is that guy. Um, you know, the guy that that's right. The reason they made this trade is to open up more targets for him because they had started to drop you know when you look at they want to start using these these young guys and their rookie contracts and having them elevate you know as Tate was his contract was going to expire doesn't look like they're going to make a push uh, so I mean yeah I like it I like the look here for Galladay uh, like you said the matchup will scare people off you know inherently um, but we don't know you know Xavier Rhodes like I said, you said you brought up he has been a guy that's shadowed Marvin Jones it has been because you know maybe maybe because Tate plays inside like he doesn't really he's not a guy that really falls into the slot that often uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll see Galladay's a guy who's who's got a big enough you know catch radius and is the type of receiver that can still score on a guy like Xavier Rhodes too it's not like you need to run and completely hide either so I mean yeah I, I'm into the the target spike for Kenny Kenny Galladay here um because there's just nowhere else for these targets to go besides these good players
1: yeah and I will say Theoretic did practice on Wednesday uh, I saw on Twitter so hope by the way please Detroit please <laughs> keep giving On Johnson the ball Please, just, just please. Let's let's be smart about this. Keep giving Carry Johnson the ball. All right, let's move on. After my please, after my after I begged on my knees to the Lions, let's move on to the worksheet. I say it every week. I'm going to keep saying it every week. You should read the worksheet. We're going to go over a few plays uh, players here, but there is information about basically every fantasy relevant player in the column. Go and read it. You will be smarter. We're going to get started with Cam Newton. Who I think, by the way, is quietly the quarterback four. I, I think that that might be that might be surprising to a lot of people, or maybe I'm wrong. But at least to me, him being the quarterback four was 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 a bit of a surprise. He's in a great spot at home against the Bucks. I mean. What's there to say? Like, you you like Cam Newton this week, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Cam Newton, so he's gone over 20 fantasy points in four of his past five games. He's off to a career best start with a career high 66.4% completion rate. He has a career low 1.7% uh, interception rate right now. He's also thrown multiple touchdown passes in six straight games. It's the longest streak of his NFL career. It's just one behind the franchise record set by Steve Berline set in 2000. Uh, the Bucks defense has yet to fail us yet as a target. They've allowed a top 12 <laughs> score in every game, uh, every game but one. The one miss was 334 passing yards to Nick Foles. Uh, yeah. They ranked dead last in completion rate to opposing quarterbacks at 73.7%, dead last in yardage uh, through the air at 3329 dead last in touchdown rate. Uh, and if you look at the scoring upside here, uh, cam newton is also having one of his best years in the red zone he's completed 70.8 percent of his red zone passes that's the highest rate in the nfl the bucks are allowing 3.1 red zone touchdowns per game that is uh ahead of only Atlanta, who's allowing 3.3 so yeah it's wheels up i think that the cat's gonna be out of the bag on newton this week i think he had a he had a couple like he had a buy and then like a lot of people weren't into him last week when he he decimated the, the Baltimore defense that was on fire. Uh, so I think that this week we'll see maybe him have his first
1: 30-point game of the season. Even even his red zone passes, which are batted down at the line, end up in touchdowns. This, <laughs> yeah, that's true. This year. So that's that, that's where he is. And you mentioned it. Nick Foles is the only quarterback not to score 20 points against the Bucs this season. You said, you know, you mentioned that earlier. I'm going to very much doubt that Cam Newton is the second of those quarterbacks. So, yeah, all <laughs> in on that for sure. Let's stay with this game, actually. And let's talk about the other quarterback, Mr. Ryan Fitzmagic himself. We saw the Magic return last week, almost brought them back. I know much to your chagrin. Huh, he and I had yeah. a couple. We've had some bad beats in the last couple of weeks. I had three terrible beats this last week and I know you've had your fair share we we need to get off that train but a train I think we're gonna hop back on is Ryan Fitzpatrick right
2: yeah and just you know the, the quarterback change just looking at the numbers between these two quarterbacks I think that there's a an argument to be made for longevity wise to, to maybe say that they should have stuck with Winston, but I think when you look at the numbers on paper, there's it's bar none that like Ryan Fitzpatrick has just been the better player on the football field this season. The Buccaneers have scored on forty six and a half percent of their possessions with Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's twenty of forty three. It's not like it's a an unequal split either. Jameis Winston's had thirty nine drives and Ryan Fitzpatrick's had forty three, almost a dead even split this season. And with Winston, they've only scored on thirty five point nine percent. Uh, of his drives, they scored a touchdown on 33% of the drives Fitzpatrick under center as opposed to just 25% with Winston. And when you look at the splits for these receivers – Mike Evans has caught 27 of 37 targets at 73% from its Ryan Fitzpatrick, just 19 of 31 from Winston, which is 61%. Deshaun Jackson has just bonker splits with the two guys. I mean, and he didn't catch that 60-yard touchdown from Winston, but he's caught just 8 of 22 targets from Winston so far, which is only 36%. With Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's caught 18 of 22 targets, which is 82%. I mean, there's obviously some regression cooked into that number, but that's just wild.
1: And, and more than that with Jackson, I'm sorry to butt in, but more than that no, with Jackson, go, go, go. he has that insane catch rate and he also has averaged 23.7 yards per catch. So it's not like he's catching the ball over the yeah. line of scrimmage. They, <laughs> they've connected on that many on big plays. It's just, a, it's not going to, I'm neither of us is saying that's going to continue, mm-hmm. but that's been, that's, bonkers the type of efficiency right
2: yeah it's just more of a descriptive to tell you the disparity of what's been going on when Rodgers Patrick's on the football field and the type of ceiling you can still acquire if, if you, you catch some of that Fitz magic in a bottle but really it's just about this team is just built to do one thing well and we've seen it now through both quarterbacks that makes these guys such strong fantasy assets uh so anytime a quarterback's finished a game They've been a top 10 fantasy score this season and combined these guys have thrown for fewer than 365 passing yards in just one game this season. So, I mean, you're getting such a large floor, which is why I made the comment about Winston last week that kind (laughs) of blew up in my face. But the passing yardage floor has been so high for these guys. um, The only question you have is if now there's like a turnover carousel that that starts to happen. But I don't think that they'll just immediately pull the plug on Fitzpatrick this week.
1: Yeah. And like you said, I mean, you kind of hinted at it. Tampa Bay quarterback, if you just look at team quarterbacks, Tampa Bay quarterback has been the second best in the league behind just the Kansas City quarterback, behind just Patrick Mahomes. And they're just 0.8 points fewer per game than Patrick Mahomes, who, and those two, by the way, are well ahead of everybody else in the league. So the the upside here is like, this is we're talking about the second best fantasy quarterback if we could be sure that they're not going to get benched in the middle of the game. Like that's that's really what we're looking at here. So I, I agree with you. That's the only concern is is are we going to see a benching? And I think you're right. That's probably not going to happen this week. That this is a major change that they have made benching Jameis. I will
2: say we don't we don't go down narrative street often on this on this uh podcast, but there's a distinct difference between The way the body language is for everyone in the game when Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing, (laughs) there's a certain aura of around how everyone reacts to when he's playing versus Jameis Winston. I mean, Jameis Winston should have thrown six interceptions in that game on Sunday. He was lucky to only throw four. Um, But, I mean, it just, like I said, I don't want to just completely go down narrative street, but it feels like the team and the organization
1: wants Ryan Fitzpatrick to play. I think I wrote this in the chat. I'll say it. I'm fine saying it. The team likes Ryan Fitzpatrick the way that Jameis Winston believes the team likes him. That is, that is, that's what it looks like, at least on the field. And you're right. We don't, we don't like to dabble in that, but it certainly, it certainly does seem that way. All right, let's finish up here with easily the best matchup. Well, maybe not easily the best matchup. That Sunday night matchup is pretty good too. One of the two best matchups I would say of the week with the Rams traveling to New Orleans to play, The Saints, I am sure you have some interesting nuggets about this matchup, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, so we thought that it was going to be that earlier in the season we had that uh, Chiefs-Patriots game and we were excited about how the 59.5 game total uh, was so large. And this time, this one opens at 60, uh, which is the (laughs) large, there's only been two games that since like spreads have been tracked that have opened at 60 points. Uh, The last one was in 2004, so we've got the first one, you know, in 14 years. NFL seasons and I doubt it's the last to be honest because Chiefs and Rams yeah. are gonna play on a Monday night, uh not too far down the road. we are only a couple of weeks away from that. So that's just one thing that, to tickle our fancy. You know, we've got a an undefeated underdog as well. They're playing in this game is also happening in the course field of NFL, um, which is which is even more bonkers for us to, to just latch on to fantasy production. We've got the two best offenses uh in terms of their how efficient they are at scoring. The Saints have scored in sixty one percent of their possessions, it's the highest great in the league the team right behind them is the rams they've scored in 55 of their possessions uh you look at in terms of just the scoring plays they run in the money zones uh new orleans is running 15.6 red zone plays per game it's the most in the league the rams are at 13.4 that's just behind them you look at some of the individual components of this matchup as well i mean you look at jared goff his best games now have come when they've had to match points with another team uh, his best fantasy games. So he's got that in place here. Uh, Drew Brees has played four of his past five games at home. I know a lot of people are back to this disappointment on Drew Brees, but he's faced four of his past five have been on the road. Two of those have been against two really good teams in their house. Uh, now he gets to come back uh, into his house in a game where we we're expecting a shootout, and he's had those splits this year. At home, he's averaged 348 passing yards per game. He's completed 84% of his passes at home this season. So it's going to be a big boost for Drew Brees. I think that you'd have to have um, a shorter conversation trying to find someone you didn't want to play in this game and avoid in lineups uh, than you did the numerous pieces uh, that the. Fan- it's going to be a, a bountiful feast uh, as we head into November uh, for fantasy points in this game.
1: I will say I have to throw a little bit of cold water. New Orleans defense has kind of been kind of good uh, since those first two games, but now they don't have Marcus Davenport, so which had been a you know that rookie we kind of we kind of looked sideways at them trading up to to go and pick him, but he's been good, so good on them. Mm-hmm. Their draft record the last two years, I guess we just kind of have to accept what they're doing. <laughs> but but yeah, it's this is going to be a fun game. And Cooper Cup's going to be back. And Cooper Cup is back. So yeah, it's it's going to be a good one. Thanks as always, Rich. Remember you can follow Rich on Twitter, at Lord Reeves. You can find the worksheet at com. You should go and find the worksheet at com. And I will be back with Nick Minzio in just a second. Listen up, fantasy football fans. You need to try out Draft. It's weekly fantasy football, but with no salary caps. On Draft, you play in live snake drafts with other people, just like in your season-long league. It's a draft that lasts for just one week. There's no roster management. You set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's absolutely it. Drafts start every couple minutes. so You can join one right now. And the best part? You're playing for cold, hard cash. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft out there for everyone. Come and join me on Draft today. You could download the app anytime. Just search Draft in your app store and join a game in minutes. Or you can play on Draft.com, whatever you like. For a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit. But you have to use our promo code RotorWorld. That's right. Play a real money game for free just for using our promo code RotorWorld on your first deposit. Just search Draft in the app store or go to Draft.com to get started. We are back with Nick Minzio who writes stardom and Sidem over at rotorworld.com Go and check that out. What's going on, man?
3: What's up, Ray?
1: It's it's week nine.
3: It is. Next week's double digits. And then then they start hitting the hitting the home stretch, you know.
1: Yeah, it always it always seems like I was talking with Rich. It I guess if every year it goes this fast, but it really seems like it's been fast this year, hasn't
3: it? I yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Once especially once Thanksgiving gets here, we've talked about that past couple weeks. Once Thanksgiving gets here, it's just it flies by after that.
1: Yeah, so it's funny we wait all year for it and then it just and then it just flies right on past us. But it's still here. Football is still here for us, and you're here for us to give us some starts and some sits. And we're gonna get started with Dion Lewis, who had his best game of the season, I think, before the bye. Do you expect him to keep it going now?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Best best game of season last week. He had 19 touches, season high, um, season high 155 total yards. Hasn't scored a touchdown since week one. A little disappointing, but he's playing 60 to 70 60 to 70 percent of the snaps every week. The Cowboys' defense is really strong, like on the ground. But Lewis is Lewis is more like a pass game back. They uh, they struggle in that area uh, among teams that have had their buys. There's 14 teams that have had their buys already. The Cowboys have allowed the second most catches to running backs behind only the Falcons so it looks like a good spot for him uh the Cowboys just gave up four four catches for 43 yards and a touchdown to uh Capri Bibbs in week seven Alfred Blue caught eight balls for 73 yards against him in week five Saquon Barkley had 14 catches for 80 yards in week two, and Christian McCaffrey caught six balls in week one. So they're vulnerable against running backs that catch the ball. I mean, this this total is just disgustingly low at 40 and a half points. It's the second lowest total on the board behind the Bills and Bears at 37 and a half. But not a lot of, not a lot of fantasy goodness in this one, but I'm liking Lewis's spot a lot as an RB2 on a, on a really light week, light week with six teams on by.
1: Yeah, and I think he might be something of like a buy low candidate right now. Yeah, totally agree. If you go back and kind of just look at how he and Derek Henry have been used the last three games, all of those were losses. So, you know, maybe script had something to do with it, but say he has the same number of carries inside of 10 this season. He's been more effective. I, I think that there's, there's some buy low opportunity here for sure. Devin Funchess is someone who I have liked more than most seemingly all season. He had a down game last time out, but you, you expect him to have a bounce back this week, right?
3: Yeah, down game last week. Season loads and targets with three catches with three in yards with 27. Um, also only played 74% of the snaps. I'm just going to chalk that up to the, the Panthers just crushing the Ravens in the second half. He would played over 90% of the snaps the previous two weeks. DJ Moore's a little bit of concern. Uh, he, had a, he had a great game last week, 129 yards in the first half. Didn't touch the ball in the second half. Like I said, they were blowing him out, so didn't need to give him the ball. Uh, Greg Olson's back, too, which is a little bit of concern as well, but Funches leads the team and with eight red zone targets. Um, the Bucks are just terrible against receivers. 32nd in pass defense DVOA, 31st in fantasy points allowed. The receivers um, just got smoked by Tyler Boyd and A.J. AJ Green last week. Um, Boyd had nine catches, 138 yards, touchdown. Green had five catches, 76 yards to score. Um, week before that, Jarvis Landry busted his slump with 97 yards and a touchdown. Mohamed Sanu scored a touchdown the week before that. Um, I mean, every receiver that lines up against these guys just going nuts. And I like more this week as a like. I know he's a popular ad, but I like Funches to bounce back in this spot as well.
1: And I, you mentioned it a little bit earlier. You said that you know Olson's back, and that might be concerning. But last week was really the first week we saw Funches not. Get his targets. And like you said, it seemed more to do with the game than it did to do with Olson being mm-hmm. back. So I'm not even I've kind of moved past that worrying about Olson point for him as well. And I he's another player that I like even rest of the season, I think, more than other people do. On the other side of the coin, we have the guys that you're you're not really that in on. And it's actually Two Falcons we want to talk about here, and that's Calvin Ridley and Tevin Coleman. So I guess I have to ask: Are you down on the Falcons in general, or just these two players specific?
3: Pretty much just the Falcons in general. I mean, this is their third road game. We haven't seen them on the road very much this season, which is really surprising. To play be playing your third road game in Week Nine, but their first two road games they scored 12 points in the season opener against the Eagles, and then 17 was a real big letdown against the Steelers in Week Five. Ridley was a non-factor in Week One. Obviously, um, they made a concerted effort to get him the ball more going forward um week five against the Steelers, he only had five targets caught four balls for like 38 yards or something like that hasn't scored since um the calendar flipped to october got hurt in one game a couple weeks back came back last game um played played his normal snap snap reps um i'm really not concerned about his his injury at all it's just this this defense for the redskins they're just really good against they're like that's like the backbone of their team is their defense they, they control the ball They run at the third slowest pace in the league and then they face the seventh fewest plays for opposing offenses. So Ridley and Coleman, I'm just not feeling these guys at all. They're they're The Falcons um, implied team total of 22 points is 10, 10 points lower than their season season average at home. So they're just a a much different offense on the road, especially outdoors outdoors. and then going back to Coleman, just this run defense has just been awesome lately. They fa- they faced Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, and Ezekiel Elliott in three straight games. Held them combined to 91 scoreless rushing yards on 36 carries, so two and a half yards per carry. Tevin Coleman just been a total disappointment in his uh, contract year. Just it's relying totally on big plays. He's lucky Edo Smith's not playing well either, because Edo Smith be lapping him if he was. Um, I just don't like these guys at all. I mean, you kind of just you have to play them because we have six teams on by just. I'm tempering expectations are really hard.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. I am interested to see if this Washington defense is for real. I mean, and, but you look at their schedule and it's not like they've played a terrible schedule. I mean, it hasn't been a great one. They obviously got done up in new Orleans, but I mean, mm-hmm. that was a breeze record setting game. Other than that, they haven't given up more than 21 points. So I'm interested. I'm not sure if this defense is real, but I think we'll have a pretty good idea after after this week's game, right?
3: Yeah, I think the run defense is is more real than the past defense, obviously, because I mean they've faced some really strong running backs the past three weeks and have held up really well.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think you're I think you're probably right about that. Thanks as always, Nick. Remember you can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Minzio. You can follow Rich at Lord Reeves. I am at RM Summerlin. Do not forget to rate and review wherever you find the podcast, and we will be back to talk to you next week.